1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Megan. I'm very excited to be dropping into everyone's feed as a total surprise today.
0: Total surprise. We didn't even hint that this was coming.
1: In fact, I don't even know if we knew it was coming, but
0: here we are. (laughs)
1: You don't have to tell them that. I don't have to show how the sausage is made or not made, right? So um, if you've been listening for a while, you've been hearing me share on the show about my new podcast, Mother of Reinvention. And I know we've heard from a lot of you who are curious about the show, but maybe wondering if it's right for you in the stage of life or the stage of motherhood that you're in. Um, So we're going to share a little teaser from one of the episodes later, but first we kind of just wanted to talk through... This idea of of reinvention and what that can look like as a mom, just more generally. So you don't even have to be really interested in Mother of Reinvention, the show, I think, to be interested in this conversation.
0: I, I totally agree. And I have to admit that when I was in the trenches of the little years, there would have been a little part of me that might have resisted listening to a podcast that was interviews with women who were doing big and fascinating things with their life. Does that make sense? Like I I can oh, yeah. see myself almost being like, yeah, but that's not my life. My life is nap schedules and preschool drop-offs and like I can't even think of reinvention right now. But what I will tell you as someone maybe with one foot in each world or really more accurately like really moving into the world where my kids are getting older, Um, I think it's so valuable and it's like the thing you don't know that you need, but you might need it. So I'm excited about this. I mean, obviously I've been listening as your friend and a fan and a listener, but I'm not really involved in, in the production of the show. So the episodes are new to me too. And, um, I love listening to women who are maybe a few years older than me, or a few years ahead of me in the motherhood space, just talk about like where their lives are right now, I think it's so valuable to have that peek into what's ahead and i I almost wish my younger self would have seen the value in that too.
1: well, you know what's funny about that, Sarah is that um I've always been just a more forward thinking person in general, It's just kind of my mm-hmm. personality, and I know we're gonna we're gonna kind of dig in a little bit to more what that's looked like for me um in a few minutes, but like I also find myself drawn to talking, and I think I've always done this, um, talking to women who are a few years older than me or a few Mm -hmm. years down the line in some path I want to be on. And it's no surprise to me that I've circled back to some of the people for these interviews that some of the people that I've been following and looking up to all along. So I've always been kind of looking like five, 10 years down the road. That's just kind of how I'm wired. Um, But that doesn't mean the changes I'm talking about or thinking about are all actually happening right now. Sometimes it's right. a lot more gradual than that. And sometimes you don't even realize it's happening to you, that, you're, that your stages are changing, that your life is moving into a new place. It's kind of happening all around you very gradually. And so sometimes you don't even really know that you're in that reinventing period until you're like, oh, wait, wow, things are really different now.
0: Right, right. No, it's so true. Um, well, can we maybe talk about the name a little bit? Because first of all, great name, catchy name, mother of reinvention. Thank you. I'm surprised somebody else didn't
1: grab it as a podcast title and use it all up, but that's
0: <laughs> I know. It just looks out that way. Right. I know. So do you want to maybe share like what that means to you or how you've arrived at that? Um, and it, it's just the name of the podcast, but it's also something bigger. It's a little bit of like the brand you've been trying on for your personal blog. So do you want to just yeah. talk about that a little?
1: Sure. So, um, as like a moniker or a brand, I want to say, I first hit on Mother of Reinvention like six, seven years ago. It's been a long time. Um, I want to say it was right around the time I started working on the Beyond Baby concept and like the Beyond Retreat. Like, remember all that stuff Mm -hmm. was happening in like 2014, 2013, 14, 15, someplace in there. And just again, to speak to like how gradually these changes happened at that time, I had, you know, Clara was little um, and I still had a house full of school aged kids. Clara was not in school yet when I first started kind of playing with this. But, I could see that those changes were on the horizon, um, and that pretty soon, even though my life was still very busy, I still had five young kids. I still had a preschool aged daughter. um and I think Owen would have been like, you know, kindy, first grade, something like that i I could see how very quickly things were gonna look almost unrecognizable compared mm-hmm. to how they had been, say five years earlier, when I couldn't leave my house to go to the grocery store without bringing four or five little people with me mm-hmm. and like like everything, you know, where I had 10, like a decade where I was basically pregnant or nursing nonstop for a whole decade. Um, Even though my life was still very full of like little kids stuff and naps and all that stuff, I could just see how the winds were starting to change and how it was going to feel like time was kind of picking up speed. Mm -hmm. So there was that for sure. Um, But also like, I kind of went back and forth was like, you know, is this moniker me? Am I the mother of reinvention or is it kind of general? And I think I've kind of landed on this place where I feel like it's, you know, obviously everyone knows the saying necessity is the mother of invention, which obviously Mm -hmm. is where I kind of picked up on that. But like, I kind of feel like anyone listening is the mother of reinvention or it's it's Mm -hmm. this place that we're all in where it's like, what is the source of the reinvention? Where are we all at in that journey? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the idea is (laughs) All of us are finding ways to reinvent ourselves and our lives um, as we go on, regardless of what, what stage we're in. And, and sometimes it happens slowly. Sometimes we don't even know what's happening. I, I was just thinking about, I think you and I actually did an episode and it probably, well, I mean, I was talking about Claire going to kindergarten, which was pre-podcasting, I believe, right? I don't think yeah. we were podcasting when Claire was I, in kindergarten.
0: No, but I think we maybe started... That next Pretty soon year, after maybe yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, she might have been in first grade. Um, but I know you and I've talked about this on the podcast, is that I thought once she left the house and I had five kids in school all day, like immediately things would be completely different. Mm-hmm. And like I would just hit the ground running and I would get all this stuff done and I would have new hobbies, and my career would go through the roof, and it did not work out that way. It took a lot of time and what I like to call fallow periods. <laughs> Mm-hmm. in my life and career before I even figured out how to do anything with that time. Or, and, and it's funny that that really was the genesis of the mom hour, which is a huge reinvention in my career. But it's not like right then I saw it. It still right. took me time to ease in. Um, I'd say the same as after divorce. And I hear from a lot of women in their 40s and beyond who are going through divorce. And some of them are interviewed on this show. And you know, in a lot of ways, my life did drastically change overnight when I got divorced. But then in a lot of other ways, it didn't. It stayed pretty similar. And it took me years to kind of grow into what the next thing would be and to really Mm -hmm. work through that reinvention. And I'm still doing it. So I guess I guess the point is that no matter where you are in your life as a mom right now, you are changing, you are growing, you are reinventing, you probably are doing it in ways you can't even see. Um, which isn't just say like, listen to the show. If you don't care about the show, that's totally fine. But just recognize that you're probably in more of a reinventing phase than you even know.
0: Yeah. And I think the pandemic too has for many people put right in front of our faces, what was working, what was not working, what we miss and we don't miss. You know, we talked on the podcast about friendships recently and kind of the different ah ahas that we've had about friendships and relationships in our life because of COVID. And I would say that so many of our listeners have shared things that they have come to terms with in terms of the career they've chosen, the mm-hmm. city they live in. Um, So it's, it's probably like, it's too broad a stroke to say everybody's reinventing in COVID because some people are really just trying to get back to regular life. And right. that's, that's <laughs> yes. great too. But I do think for a lot of people, there have been wake up calls um, in certain areas of life, relationships, career, finances, That have called for reinvention or have been like a reinvention almost forced upon them because of the pandemic. So it's great timing in that regard, too. Um, But I am curious about like not everybody looks forward to that next phase. And it's so funny because I personally love like having my kids out of the house at school all day. I love being able to focus more on my health and self care and think about travel. Um, But I think for a lot of moms, especially um, those who spent a lot of their Day like their waking hours in the active duty of parenting. There's some sadness and some apprehension that comes along with like each of those like milestones, and whether that is like you were talking about with Clara, the last baby goes off to kindergarten, or maybe it's the first kid who leaves the nest, and now the nuclear family is not like it doesn't have the same look anymore, or whatever it is. So what what would you say to those listening who kind of aren't looking forward necessarily into that next phase but maybe are are kind of holding on to this one or feeling apprehensive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know not everyone is like looking forward celebratorily. If that's even mm-hmm. a word. Um and I think that's all of us, right? So I I know like again, I tend to have this kind of rush to the next thing personality be for, very forward looking, but even I have those moments of sadness or struggle, feeling lost or Feeling lost, or feeling lost, you know, both of those things. I, I know that I've lost something that I used to have phases of my life, stages of my life that won't ever come back. And then some, sometimes that can lead to this feeling of like, well, did I use that time well enough? Did I get mm-hmm. everything I could out of it? Am I prepared for the phase I'm in now? Like, do I know how to self-actualize or whatever the thing is I'm trying to do? Do I even care? Do I want to? Where Would I be happier if I just kind of stayed where I'm at? And those are all like so normal. Um I think that listening to the experiences of other moms who have gone through that and all the ambivalence and like um different like just different opinions and just different stages and states of mind about it um can just kind of help normalize it and help you see that like again we've talked about in the show, Sarah, like the moment you're in the emotion you're in right now is not you. It's just like mm-hmm. the emotion you're in right now. Mm-hmm. And that sadness is real and it's valid. But there still is something else there. And I just think, I think when I hear other people speak about what they felt, where they were, where they're going, what their hopes are, what their fears are, all those things, it just helps me feel like, oh, I can do that too. Or Mm -hmm. it gives me perspectives I wouldn't otherwise have had. So um, I think that's totally valid. And I know that I see that play out a lot, like in our Facebook community, where um, if we have an episode where we talk a lot about activities or hobbies or career ideas, And moms will say, I just don't, I don't feel like I care, or I don't know what they should be, or I just Mm -hmm. feel really like I'm floundering. And I think that most of us are floundering. (laughs) That's what life is like. We're all floundering with, and then we peek and we kind of figure something out and then we flounder again. Um, And that's just the experience we all find ourselves in.
0: I agree. And I I would add to that too, that when you're a mom of younger kids, um, the thought of them growing up and kind of separating naturally, as they will, we're going to talk about teenagers next week. Cause I'm about to be, I'm about to be welcomed yes. into the teenager mom club. But when we have little kids and we, we project forward and think about that, we tend to focus on the loss. You know, my kid's not going to snuggle me anymore, or they're not going right. to need me to tie their shoes. Well, we, we have no, unless, unless we do for some other reason, most of us have no point of reference for what we'll gain And I loved, um, I loved your interview with Nancy Davis Cohen, her talking about her relationship with her young adult daughters. They're both college or just out of college age and thinking about what, what she's gained in relationships Mm. with young adults that there is loss, but there is also so much to be gained from those next steps. And I think I would just add to what you, you said that sometimes we have no way of putting a a shape around that. It's amorphous because we can't picture it yet where we can picture the loss. And so we, Perhaps overestimate or put put added um, emphasis on the loss without anticipating the good stuff. So yeah, yeah, I
1: can't wait to get into that conversation with you, Sarah, next week because I know again this is also a question that's come up before on the show and in and in the Facebook group and just just in general our interactions with moms who are a little bit earlier um, down the line and there's a very there's a very clear and present biological reason why Mm -hmm. we feel so attached to small children. They, they Mm -hmm. require that for them to survive. And then as you, as they get older, the biology literally changes like the chemical reaction you and your child have to each other. Um, it just it's different. And mm-hmm. there's a term called soiling the nest, which we'll get into when we talk about teenagers. I cannot wait. But it's literally like what a bird does. Like it just mm-hmm. keeps pooping in the nest until the mom kicks it out. <laughs> and so it's very normal for your feelings about that child to change. But that doesn't mean they change for the worse. It means they're changing in the way that helps them become what they're supposed to be, which is an adult, um, yeah. a fully functioning adult person. So if you never felt differently about them and you never felt a little annoyed by their presence or like you could really stand to have your space back or whatever the thing is. If that never happened, there'd really never be any reason for you to help them do what they have to do in life. So it's all, it all has to happen. But if you're not there yet, it's foreign and it makes no sense. And that's by design. It's supposed to be that way.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, let's dig in a little bit to the amazing guests that you've had on Mother of Reinvention. And maybe can you talk a little bit about the structure of the show? Because of course, listeners of our show know we're Pretty much like a two mom conversational podcast yep. for the most part with with occasional interviews, but you've structured this show very differently because it is different, so talk about that, yeah
1: so yeah, this is kind of like if you took our voices episodes and um you know kind of tailored them to the topics that we're talking about right now, so they're definitely more interview based. every single episode does have an interview with um, someone i've handpicked there's not a lot of like we don't I'm not doing a ton of episodes, which I love because it's really made me able to be really selective about going out and finding the people that I want to talk about different issues and topics that I think are really relevant to any mom who's kind of in this reinvention phase. So um, usually I kick it off with, well, every time I kick it off with about a five minute intro where I I almost kind of look back at the interview, reflect on my life, how some of the topics and themes from that interview dovetail with things that are going on with me and set it all up and then jump, jump into the interview. And most episodes are between like 45 and 55 minutes long. So similar length to the mom hour. Um, and you'll recognize some of the names cause there are people, some of them are people that I've been you know following or that we've actually had on the show before. But so when this feed drop shows up in your feed, um, I will have done six episodes And those include interviews with Jessica Ashley, who is a divorce coach and the creator of the site Single Mom Nation. That was a great conversation. Zina Dalla, who is a fitness and wellness expert. Um, She's got such a cool background, like so many interesting career pivots. Mm -hmm. And Sarah knows her in real life. She adopted a toddler from India mid-career, which totally changed her career. And we talked a lot about posture and your pelvis. So you're yes. going to want to listen like yes. a lot, but we really,
0: <laughs> if you have a 40 ish year old body and you've been working from bed for the whole pandemic, yes. like, I don't know the two of us, your ears may yeah. perk up at um, the impact of posture and ergonomics on like your entire, like rest Everything. of your life,
1: <laughs> all of it, all of it. And I have a little funny story about how I thought my pelvis was perfectly aligned. But while I was editing the podcast, that episode, I was standing in my kitchen and glanced and saw a reflection of myself in the window and it was not normal. Let's just put it that way. I was definitely, I was definitely not standing in alignment. Um, Sarah, you mentioned Nancy Davis Coe, one of our favorite people. She was on a Mom Hour a little over a year ago to talk about her book, The Thank You Project. And then she and I talked about building resilience through gratitude. So, you know, we'd already talked about gratitude with her in the Voices interview, But we really dug into how much that gratitude has helped her in the last year plus during the pandemic and her kids getting older and all that stuff. Um, I interviewed my one of my yoga instructors here in my hometown, Lisa Seeger. Um, So she I thought was so fascinating because she came to instructing yoga right around the time I started really getting into taking classes at the same studio as me. And then she went through had gone through a rough divorce right around the same time I did. Um, Her kids were teenagers. And then she discovered yoga along the way. And I've always just thought of her as someone who looks like she lives on the yoga mat. And I was very surprised mm. to learn that she does leave and she okay. has a job. So <laughs> that is not yoga. So that was a great conversation. Um, and then yesterday's episode featured Karen Walrand, who was on the bomb hour a couple of years ago. Her fa- um, Her career reinvention story is fascinating. So she was an engineer who pivoted to being a lawyer, who then pivoted to being a professional blogger and a photographer, and is now a public speaker and an author and works with Brené Brown's organization um and she's also writing a book about pairing activism with joy and just doing it in a way that like speaks to you but is also compassionate and kind and like holistic and I know that right now like everything is very polarized and it can be hard to know how to speak up when you feel something or or like are you right like do you know mm-hmm. enough to say the things that you think and and how to do it in a way that's not alienating to your family or your high school friends on Facebook or whatever. So um, that was a great conversation. And then down the line, I mean, I've got six more episodes coming out this season. So like everything from an author of a young adult novel that just sold in a huge deal, but she didn't get started writing until her mid forties. I've got a financial expert and we're going to talk about like personal finances and how bigger role that can play in the, ch- in the choices that you're able to make later in life. And I don't mean later like retirement. I mean, later, like now, you know, like right now, mm-hmm. um, another guest who really started questioning, um, questioning gender identity in her forties, and then went through a big transformation. And we really dive into how hard it can be to be healthy and whole. If you don't feel like you can really be yourself in all the ways, um, mm-hmm. that's just a little taste. So, um, there's six more episodes to come and I will be back with season two after a short break after season one. So you can expect more and more and more
0: and more, 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 more and more from the <laughs> more M-O-R, Mother yes. of Reinvention. <laughs> Good one, um, Sarah. <laughs> I have to say something about the nature of these interviews. And this is a biased opinion because obviously I know you and I produce the mom hour with you, but there is a certain type of podcast interview that I find myself like kind of avoiding or zoning out in. And it's usually when the person well-meaning and intelligent, um, and informed though they may be, is kind of on like a talking point circuit, if that makes sense. Mm. And you see this a lot in the book publishing world. And some of it's unavoidable, right? Like we've had guests on who are doing the book promotion rounds, and this is nothing against that or them by any means. But what you're really good at is identifying people and stories and then turning those into conversations that don't feel like you're, you're meeting that person for the first time and they're showing up to do like one of 17 interviews that day. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And part of it is you did, you did know a lot of these people in real life first. Um, and as a listener, I just find that more intimate and more, um, like I'm getting to overhear a conversation with Megan and her cool friend rather than Mm -hmm. somebody who's showing up for a more traditional media interview, if that makes sense. So I appreciate that as a listener. And I think um, if you're a listener of the mom hour and you, and you, we try to aim for that with our voices series and you know, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's hit or miss. Um, you can't guarantee that an interview chemistry is going to be incredible every single time, but I just think right. you've done a really good job with this first season at the, the diversity of experience that's represented the just, these are just fun and very like entertaining conversations to listen to. Um, if that makes sense.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, it does help when you know somebody. Um and it does help to be have having been doing this with you for so long because mm-hmm. like it's so natural just to jump on the mic and have a conversation and not feel like I have to touch on everything or their publicist is going to be mad at me. A lot of the right. the people that I have on aren't even promoting anything anyway, right. so it's like we're really just having a great conversation as friends or as new friends or as people mm-hmm. who will become friends. So, yeah, it works really well and um I've been really happy with yeah. that chemistry and and how open the guests have been so far to talk about you know, to talk to me for forty five minutes or more, that's a lot and yeah, and it's it can be kind of taxing, so I'm glad it seems like everyone's having fun,
0: no, it totally does, and i'm I'm excited to catch the second half of the season. So for our listeners here today, if you've stuck with us this far, you're gonna to get to hear. Um, kind of an extended excerpt from one of the Mother of Reinvention episodes that has already aired. Obviously, you can also just click over or whatever, what, what, click push button. I don't know. Go whatever to, you got to do to get there. Yes. <laughs> swipe. If you go to mother swipe. of
1: reinvention, if you go to mother of show dot com, that'll also get you to the you know, they already published, there's like a little landing page with the already published episodes, but whatever you got to do to get there.
0: Right. Get like there. wherever you're yeah. listening, search up the mother of reinvention, search up mother of reinvention, and then you'll see it. But you can also just stay right where you are because you're going to hear um several minutes of a conversation, Megan, that you had with Heather Greenwood Davis, who I've only, I, I've met her in real life, like two or three times and only for short conversations. But I just think she's so incredible. And I loved this episode. So tell us about the, about Heather and about the clip that we're going to hear.
1: Yeah. Heather is the coolest. Um, and she has been, I guess at mom 2.0 a couple times when we've both been there too. So we've gotten to talk to her there, but I, the Heather and I go kind of way back. We were both freelance writers way like before blogging was really even, I, I mean, it existed, but it wasn't like something people were doing as a career and all those things. Um, but I chose it was really hard to pick who I was gonna feature in this little drop today, but I th- I think I went with Heather for a few reasons. First of all, her story is just super inspiring because um she is a travel writer. She is very well published, um, has been a columnist for a long time, was with National Geographic Traveler for a long time, like just does TV, but back in uh 2012. She took her two young sons and her husband. So the four of them went on a year long, multi-continent, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple country worldwide trip. And they mm-hmm. were gone for a year.
0: And the and, boys were six and eight. Yes, they like, were little. Really, yeah, they were little. Yeah, they not were young. Like, it's yes. not like doing this with teenagers. Like you listening right. who have six and eight year olds, like <laughs> yes. you are still tying their shoes and like cutting their crusts off. And she was taking hers like to seven continents in 35 countries. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It was crazy. And, and like, it's, and I think I must've interviewed her. Oh, it actually came up in my like memories the other day that I must've interviewed her for maybe like the home hour or the kitchen Hour, yeah. like law, like in uh-huh. 2013 or 14, I interviewed her and it popped up and I was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot. I'd already talked to her about this a long time ago, but you know, now it's been 10 years. And what I think is really fascinating about that story is that during that same time. I was kicking around the idea of taking my kids on a not necessarily a multiple country trip but like taking them abroad for an extended period of time and for a lot of reasons that trip didn't happen and I do kind of dig into this a little bit not in the clip you're going to hear but in the intro to the episode mm-hmm. itself about like how you know how that kind of felt a little bit like a failure at the time like I hadn't done it, the thing I wanted to do but now looking back I realize I did stretch myself in so many other ways and my, and my family, and I still have time. Like Mm -hmm. those things are still available to me. And like, I didn't miss some boat that I can never catch now. Um, But also how Heather had this amazing experience and then just kind of went back to life. She lives in Toronto. She went back to her same job. Her husband went back to his same job. The kids went back to school and they now have this completely new perspective. And it, it did color and change literally everything about their lives, but there you wouldn't know from walking, like watching them walk down the street. They're they're just normal, you know, North American people mm-hmm. um, who had this amazing experience. And I think that's so cool because people have stories that are amazing, and I love when you unexpectedly find them out. Um, mm-hmm. But I also love how those moments of adventure and and those like taking risks and thing and putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. can change your normal life. So like you can get, you know, and, and I think we're seeing right now, so many people are doing things like, well, the kids can't go to school this year and we can work remotely. Let's travel the country in an RV mm-hmm. or let's let's do this thing. But at some point, we're all going to get back to something that's going to look somewhat like normal. And mm-hmm. those things will still um, come with us. And And Heather and I talk a lot about resilience and how now that her kids are getting older, how much resilience they have learned in their lives from that experience of having to be vulnerable and ask people for help and being being uncomfortable was a mm-hmm. big theme of that episode. And I think you could start, you know, you don't have to take your two young children on a worldwide trip to, to embrace feeling a little uncomfortable. At I, times.
0: T- I totally agree. And I also loved the kind of the tenderness and the love with which she talked about how close their family got their family unit. Mm-hmm. I think in this pandemic, um, There's a lot of us who have like, wink, wink, eye rolled, like we're sick of being in the same house with the same people. And like, I just, it was a, it was a very refreshing reminder of just how, how important and special that family bond is and, and how, how it changes over time. But I loved hearing about that from her and then hearing what her boys are up to now that I think they're like 16 and 18 or something like that. Mm Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and the 10 minute clip that you're about to hear really was kind of a cross, almost like a cross sample of so many different topics we delved into. So I'm just excited to share that one. I think it's a great intro to the show.
0: Awesome. Okay. So listeners stick around. You're going to hear that 10 minutes ish with Heather Greenwood Davis on mother of reinvention, which is Megan's new podcast, which you can find more about at motherofreinventionshow.com or just type mother of reinvention into whatever podcast app you're listening in right now. It'll come up, hit subscribe, leave a review. Let's help get this show off the ground. I'm excited for you, Megan.
1: Thank you. And everyone, I hope you enjoy. A big through line of this show is adventure and embracing adventure. But I want to really always be clear that that looks very different for everybody. Um, So I would love it. Do you have like a, I don't don't, I'm not going to ask you to give me your family's like, you know, mission statement or mantra or anything. But do you have a personal, like if you could sum up your travel tagline, what is it for you? Wow. Like what and, and that's again a big tall order. I'm asking you to do a lot of work right now, but what do you think is <laughs> the what is the style of, of travel that you find yourself really drawn to?
2: Yeah, I am about people when I travel. So we are very much a family that has embraced travel. You know, I, I like to say we travel with an open mind, open heart. We're open to new things, you know. So yes, while I am not, you know, a, a tent camper. Um, by preference, you know, I'll do anything almost once. Um, (laughs) And I'm all at least once sometimes. Um, You know, I think it's really important. The vulnerability part of travel really, really speaks to me. And the fact that that vulnerability allows us to connect with people abroad and then take those lessons back and hopefully make the world better for everyone. I think that's, that's so important. So we've, as a family, definitely embrace that. And, and as a solo traveler, I embrace that.
1: So that perfectly, Thanks you so much. You're doing all the hard work for me because you perfectly <laughs> um, lined Once me up again. for my next question. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Heather. We didn't rehearse this ahead of time, I promise, but you really just set the next question up, which was to, to ask about your, year long family travel trip and how those vulnerabilities really played out. I know you wrote a really interesting essay about being like, um, I believe you were in China and you were the only black yeah. family anywhere to be seen. Um, and you had a whole <laughs> yeah. story about that and how that you know just kind of shifted your perspective. And, and now I know you're, um, one of your sons has been doing a lot on YouTube about, um, about mm-hmm. racial equality and all that kind of things. And I'm wondering how much of that experience opened your whole all of your eyes as a family, but how much you see that now reflected in your kids. And, and that's just a starting question because I want to really yeah. dive in to what that experience was like, but that's a good place to start.
2: Yeah, you know, um, it's everything you've just said. So yes, we had these experiences on the road where we had to depend on the kindness of strangers. We had to rely on other people to, to make sure that we got from place to place in places where we didn't understand the language or the culture felt, felt foreign. Um, and yeah, we had to depend on each other as well. And, and that has stuck with us. So absolutely. Do I think the kids, you know, draw from that? My, the son you're talking about, that's Cameron. He's 16. He, um, has, you know, he's launched a clothing line where he's dedicating sales from some t-shirts to some, um, you know, black lives matter groups and charities. He, is speaking out and has spoken at, at rallies as well as you know to schools and to businesses and to police officers and um, trying to inform people and change the way that you know young black men in particular like himself um, interact with police mm. and how they can feel safe in their own communities and a lot of that and I really do attribute his confidence in being able to use his voice in the way he's using it to what he got out of that year of travel. You know, nobody would believe that Cameron was by far the most shy child, (laughs) um, the, the, you know, the most shy person in our family, for sure. I mean, that kid used to hide behind my legs when we started out traveling. And by the end of it, he was, you know, right out front, sticking out his hand, you know, shake hands with people and um, running to the playground to play with the kids, you know, who were new to him. And And all of that. And I think that that lasts when you build that kind of confidence in a person, it continues and um, it certainly has for him. And I see it in my other son as well. Ethan is 18. He's, you know, should have been in university this year, like a lot of kids. He's in university, but he should have been away at school. Right. Um, And like a lot of kids uh, at his age and stage, you know, the pandemic threw a wrench into all his plans for what this year would look like. But his ability to, you know, rebound from the disappointment of that, I attribute to travel, you know, recognizing that we move on and, you know, we'll have another chance to do things at another time, I, I attribute to travel. So, yeah, the, the, I can't, I can't, you know, sort of tell you enough how yeah. how important it all has been.
1: Well, and I and yeah, the bouncing back and the sitting in discomfort, I I think, is such a, yeah. a thing that we're not used to doing when we're used to comfortable lives that kind of look the same day to day. And mm-hmm. um, and here your kids and your family, your whole family got this crash mm-hmm. course in being uncomfortable, not just for a few days, like you had to live it for a year. Like you get yeah. comfortable with being uncomfortable in a way.
2: Very, very. And I, you know, I've I've given a few speeches recently where I've talked about the fact that, you know, the pandemic, you know, I recognize it has been very difficult for a lot of people. Um but there are some things that have happened as a result of having to be home, um, of people sort of spending more time with their families, if in, in some cases, um, that I think really, you know, is reminiscent of that year away in a, a lot of cases, you know, if if chosen to and if, if you have the ability to look at it in that way, there's an opportunity there to connect with your family in a way that most people simply aren't afforded that kind of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell us about that trip. So where'd you go <laughs> now? This is now what?
2: Nine years ago? Nine years, right? Yeah. So we yeah, left, wow. well, 10 almost since we oh, left. So we left in June, 2011, came back in June, 2012. Okay. Um. And yeah, it was incredible. We, we set out, so it was supposed to be, you know, fairly professional in nature in the sense that When I was leaving, I had a column with the Toronto Star newspaper here that was going to run, I think, every week or every other week. And so that was going to help as we were traveling. Finally, my kids were, you know, old enough that they could come with me to these places. And I didn't have to, I I wasn't going to be in a situation where I was worried about the fact that I was leaving them at home for long periods of time to go far away. I was going to take them with me. And I thought that that was going to fuel this, this travel column My husband had, um, signed up for a prepaid sabbatical that meant that he was going to get his salary as we went. So we would have his income. I would be earning as we went, it was going to be great. And I think we were, I never get it right, but I think we were like either three or six weeks in, I can't remember. And, uh, I got the call saying that the column had been canceled and, um, that threw a wrench in everything, but eventually we settled into the idea that that was a good thing. And we um, really started, you know, just sort of really thinking about how we spent money as we went and being really careful. We already were, but now we were doubly careful. And um, it turned out to be the best thing that happened because it meant that I could actually be immersed in that year in what was happening and spend the time with the kids and have these experiences. And I can't, you how much this this trip has impacted our life we were talking about it the other day that you know personally it built the kids we have for sure it cemented our relationship as a foursome it tested our marriage but also cemented it um it it made me clearer about what i wanted to do and what travel meant to me it changed my husband who had been a very much a you know we work till we retire, mm-hmm. and then we maybe then we think have about if there's time, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yes, yeah. You <laughs> know, depending on how the finances look, exactly. Then, you know, yeah. He, he became a, a wholehearted believer in you live while you can live, and um, you know, trust that that things can work out. And uh, so it it really did reshape our family dynamic, and it's helped us weather so many storms since because we've got that foundation. So that, that year was incredible. I mean, and every, you know, we learned pretty quickly that you couldn't be a tourist every day. Yeah. Um, one, you can't afford it. And also <laughs> you just can't, it's like you, yeah. nobody wants to go to a new museum or a new site every day. You know, instead we began to sort of sink into some of the communities a little bit. Sometimes we stayed in and watched TV you know, often that was in a different language, you know? Yeah. um, but fun, we just had a, we had a lot of fun and we learned a lot and we met a ton of great people who sort of shepherded us from place to place strangers who showed us so much kindness. And, um, yeah, I'm forever grateful to all the people who, who really helped us that year and really restored our faith in humanity in a lot of ways, which is, has helped ever since. All right.
1: Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you loved listening to that little part of the episode with Heather Greenwood Davis, you can again find that at motherofreinventionshow.com or just search up Mother of Reinvention Show in any old podcast app and you'll find it. It was episode And again, our guest was Heather Greenwood Davis. So I know you're going to want to listen to the rest of that episode.
0: Well, yes, go finish that up right now. And Megan, you and I will be back coming up on Tuesday with another all new episode of The Mom Hour. And have a great weekend, everyone. Talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug.
1: That is amazing.
0: Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening, and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So, not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.